Welcome, good to have you here. You know, at our church, we've been going through a series of messages on this idea of develop. We feel like God's calling us as a church here. We've got this nice big building now, and the ministries are growing. We're like, okay, we need to keep developing, because there's hundreds and thousands of people around us that still need the Lord literally desperately, and we need to keep developing. So we say, put yourself in a place of being developed, and then put yourself in a place of developing others. So it's really simple. There's only two things. Get developed, develop others. And one of the things we're beginning to understand more and more about this is how significant it is for, to, for developing to keep going and not give up. To keep developing, that's God's will for your life. To the very end, God wants to keep developing you into the image of Christ, it tells us in the Bible. In fact, uh, I've been preaching on this, and a guy made me a sign to match my pulpit. <laughs> Look at this. Developed 2018. Isn't that cute? And um, I'm going to put it there in the welcome center when we get done from today. But uh, I want to thank him for doing this. But this is a beautiful sign. He made a walnut just like this thing. Pretty neat, huh? And, um, you know, the Bible reveals over and over again that there's, there's one key to development in your life. And we've been kind of saving this sermon till after we went through all these different ministries. You know, we started with infants all the way up to senior citizens and all the men's ministries, women's ministry, teen ministries, all these different things. And the key to development at every stage of your life is, is the scripture tells us the key to it all is prayer. Whether it's your, your personal relationship with the Lord, um, your relationship with each other, us as a church, affecting our community, uh, what happens in your marriage, retraining your children. The Bible says there's a key. If you put that in and you turn that, if you go to God in prayer, is when development really starts to happen. What the tragedy is, is so many of us, even in the church, don't do that. The key to our marriage problems is prayer. The key to your kids is prayer. The key to developing in your, in your career and what God's called you is prayer. That's what the scriptures teach over and over and over again. And today I want to talk with you in very simple terms about prayer. And to do it, I'd like to pray with you to start. So would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we recognize how desperately we need to pray. Our church is all about prayer. In every particular ministry of our church, we're about praying. Whether it's children's ministry or teen ministries or college or adults or men's or women's or seniors, or whatever it be, outreach ministries, in re- prayer is the key. And I pray you bring that home to everyone here today, helping us understand more clearly what it means in our personal life, what it means in, in, in our family life. Help us have the courage, Lord, to really pray and to ask you for things we've never thought of, to invite you into areas of our life we've never let you in before, to really pray. Teach us now. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I put down in the sermon outline, provided for you in the bulletin, it's called the big idea. Every sermon we have, we have what's called the big idea. Prayer is your strongest hope for getting better. I bet you there's not a person in this room that doesn't want to get better. In every area of your life, you need to develop, right? Well, the, the key to it, your strongest hope for that is prayer. It's where you got to start. And if I can do anything today to encourage you to do that, that's where I want to go. And I'm going to make it really simple. 
I'm only going to talk about two things today, only two points. The first point is, well, why is prayer going to work? Why is this so important? And then how exactly do you do it? So let's talk about that question. Why pray? Why should you pray? If you notice, that's point one. You know, our present culture seems to tell us very clearly that prayer might work, doesn't work, or I've tried before and it didn't work kind of an idea. And in this book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, if you're going to read a book on prayer, this is probably the best one you could possibly read. And A Praying Life, he he attacks this situation, talking about our culture, and he's saying, if you're going to pray, prayer is kind of like a childlike spirit where you just come to the Heavenly Father, we even call Him Father... Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. And he he tells about this, but how our culture works against that. Look what he says. The opposite of a childlike spirit is a cynical spirit. Cynicism is increasingly the dominant spirit of our age. Personally, it is my greatest struggle in prayer. If I get an answer to prayer, sometimes I'll think, well, it would have happened anyway. Other times, I'll try to pray, but wonder if it really makes any difference at all. Many Christians stand at the edge of cynicism. They don't want to quite be a a cynic yet, but they struggle with what he calls defeated weariness. Their spirits have begun to deaden, but unlike the cynic, they've lost hope. My friend Brian summarizes it this way. I think we have built up scar tissue from our frustrations with prayer, and we don't want to expose ourselves anymore. Fear constrains us from prayer. Cynicism and defeated weariness have this in common. They both question the active goodness of God on our behalf. Left unchallenged, their low-level doubt opens the door for bigger doubt. They've lost their childlike spirit and thus are unable to move toward their Heavenly Father. Yeah, it's really true, isn't it? That when you pray, it's almost like a childlike spirit. You're coming to the Lord, and he says, our culture wants nothing to do with that. You should claim your rights. You should defy that. You should establish who you are, redefine who you are even. And it's like the Bible says, no. The answer is in humbling yourself before the Lord in prayer. Well, why should we pray? I've got a list of reasons here. You're depressed. You're sad. You're disillusioned. You're out of money. There's tension in your home. You're tempted. You've committed some sin. You're having a hard time making a decision about something. You're sick. You're troubled. You're questioning. You're, you're addicted to something. I don't know if you know, but I got every one of those titles from stories in the Bible. Every one of them. I could show you each one of those are from stories in the Bible that where they, these people were challenged to pray and prayer was the answer to those situations. Whether it was depression or sadness or disillusionment or discouragement or sickness or trouble or questioning. I remember one time years ago I did a study. I thought, when in the Bible are most people vulnerable or open to God? And I I just wanted to look at the New Testament Gospels. You know what I discovered? When Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, was walking the planet Earth, who was he most effective with? Oh, he was real effective with sick people because he could heal them. Troubled people, demon-possessed people, emotionally distraught people, very effective with them. 
The sick, the troubled, and then the questioning, like a Nicodemus saying, oh, Lord, I don't understand. Let me explain this to you. Or Zacchaeus, he was really effective. If you're here and you're, it's because then we start to recognize, you know, I can't solve it. I can't fix it. So if you're here today, troubled in your marriage, troubled with the kids, concerned about your work, don't have enough money for this or that, do you realize all those things are simply God screaming to you, pray, come to me, ask me. And the, the promises in Scripture are a multitude of promises. I, I don't know if you know, but you could look at the Bible this way. All the stories from Noah and the ark from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, every story is about answered prayer. Well, like I said, whether it's Noah and the ark, God answered his prayer. David and Goliath, God answered his prayer. Uh, how, about, how about Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea when the army was pursuing them to kill? Answered their prayer. How about D- Daniel in the lion's den? Answered his prayer. I mean, you can go through the whole Bible like that. Even when Jesus prayed for Lazarus to be raised from the dead, he's raised from the dead. Everything in here is trying to teach us what you need to do is pray. Pray, pray, like story after story after story. You know how that insurance ad goes now? You know, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Remember that one? That's what the Bible authors are trying to say. We're just telling you what we saw. And we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Pray. God can deal with this. There's nothing that you face today that's so big God can't handle it. Someone was reminding me in the back room just earlier. Remember this, this elderly lady in our church was suffering and she had cancer. And I go, oh, the, boy, you've got cancer. Let, let's, let's cry out to the Lord. And she looked at me, pastor, it's only cancer. You know, God can handle cancer. That ain't a big deal for God. So, yeah, let's pray. But it's only cancer. We get so thrown out, no matter what it is, something with our kids or something in our body or something in the culture, we get all shook up. And It's only a little thing to God. Let's talk to God. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's where we got to go. I could show you a lot of passages, and I, I debated what, I, what passages of Scripture we should show about the promises of prayer. There's a bunch of them in the Bible. And I thought, well, why don't I start with the very first one I learned. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. I'd just become a believer, and someone was trying to teach me about how I know I'm saved, how I know I'm going to, I'm going to heaven someday. And they showed me this passage, which is a promise about prayer. Ready? 1 John chapter 5, starting with verse 13 through 15, reads like this. The Apostle John is talking to this church and saying, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, underline that word, you can know that you have eternal life. I can know it? Yeah, he says, because it's an answer to prayer. I prayed the sinner's prayer, asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Savior. He says, well, then you can know you have eternal life. Notice what it says next. And this is the confidence. Remember that word. I'm going to come back to that. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. You should meditate on that a little bit, especially if you're having doubts about prayer. And notice that word, confidence. He's saying, well, here's where we get the confidence from. Because we know that God answers prayer. Like I said, the whole Bible testifies to that. 
And if you're asking according to his will about your sins being forgiven because of Jesus' death on the cross, about direction for your life because you, you're really ready to surrender everything to him and follow him, he says, well, you can be confident God's going to answer. Now, the next thing I want to tell you, I'm not sure how to say it, but uh, it's like giving you a window into my head, into my heart. I'm a very insecure person. And you're probably laughing at me right now going, Marty, you stand in front of thousands of people every week and you speak. You're not, uh, you know, lacking confidence. You're not insecure. Yes, I am. If I had time, I'd share with you all the reasons in my past, all the reasons in my makeup. I'm a rather insecure person. But I pray. It's the secret sauce. It's what works. I pray. And I have confidence, that word. I have confidence that God hears me and he answers me. I swear to God, it's been this way since I became a Christian. I had been a poor student. I didn't know much. But I knew God could hear my prayer. And I knew God would answer my prayer. And it's still 40-some years later. I still believe the same thing. And the only reason I can stand in front of you, I can lead a staff, I can lead a group of elders in our church, is because I believe God answers me. I don't have much confidence in me, but I have a lot of confidence in Him. And that's the key. You don't have to be slick. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to be good-looking. You don't have to be good speaker. It has nothing to do with anything. It's like, is your confidence? He says, and this is the confidence we have. Your confidence is in God. And each one of you, I guarantee you, is going to be tested on that. God's going to push you. You you really trust me? You're willing to take this risk? You're willing to do this? I mean, even me, I'm willing to take a risk, get on stage, talk to thousands of people. Like, yeah, (laughs) not because of me. I'm confident in him. I'm confident what God can do. And he's not finished with me. He's not finished with you yet. He's testing us. He's trusting us. Will you come to me? Again, prayer's that key that opens that up. Okay, those are the, just a, a brief survey of why we need to pray. Because literally, prayer can change everything in your life. Prayer changes things. And you need to open yourself up to start talking to God. Now, the question becomes this. Well, let me, let me answer that first. When asking the question, why should I pray? It's basically that thing I have in the idea. Prayer is your strongest hope for getting better. Right there. Okay, now, how do you pray? This is where I want to spend a little more time. Point two in your outline. How should I pray? There's three areas I want to introduce to you. The first one is this. Personal prayer. Private prayer. Jesus even said to people, his disciples said, well, I don't want you to stand in front of everybody like the Pharisees in your self-righteousness to, crying out to God, showing everybody that you, you talk to God. No, no, no. I want you to go into your inner room, your closet, he said, and I want you to come before your heavenly Father in prayer. Do you do that? Do you pray? I'm saying to you, the only reason I have confidence to even speak to you today is because I pray personally. Do you do that? Do you get up in the morning and pray? Do you pray before you go to bed? Do you pray all day long? I want to I share with you some passages of Scripture. I didn't have time to show you a whole bunch of passages, so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take phrases from the New Testament passages, New Testament epistles, letters written by the Apostle Paul mostly, to different churches, and show you some of the things he says to them. Ready? Here's how they read. He says, Pray without ceasing. Pray always. Look at the next one. Do not cease to pray. 
pray at all times. Pray continually. Pray constantly. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, those people that got that in that letter from the Apostle Paul, they're just new in their faith. They're trying to follow Jesus, maybe just like you. They get that. What are you supposed to do? Be a monk? I mean, come on. I got to work. I got kids to raise. I got bills to pay. I got stuff to do. How are you going to do this? Do you get the idea? He's kind of saying, well, this should be something on your mind all the time. This should be something you're doing every day, all day. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Pray constantly. Let me show you what I mean. If, if you just t- take this idea and you look at the Bible, you'll come across a book that's a bunch of prayers. It's called the Book of Psalms in the Old Testament. 150 chapters. Mostly written by King David in his walk with God, his relationship with God. And sometimes he writes these psalms of prayer to God when he's happy and he's singing praises. Sometimes it's when he's sad and he's crying the blues. Sometimes they call them lament psalms where he's complaining, Lord, Lord, what are you doing? My enemies are knocking at the door. They're taking me apart. Why? you let this happen? He's complaining. And what are you supposed to learn from that? You're supposed to learn, you're supposed to pray constantly. If you're feeling happy, sing praises. If you're feeling sad, tell the Lord, man, your Lord, what's going on? Why are you cast down, O my soul, is one of his psalms. He's asking, Lord, why why am I depressed? What's going on? It's a constant, continual conversation. Don't forget that word, because that's what prayer is supposed to be. How in the world else could you pray without ceasing? How in the world else could you pray constantly? Like the New Testament tells us, if you didn't pray all, all the time, No matter how you're feeling, no matter what you're thinking, learn to pray. You know, um, if you turn to the pages of the New Testament, we're getting ready for a series of messages we're going to do in the book of Ephesians. And I don't know if you're aware, but in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul starts praying for the Ephesian church. It's an example of his prayer. But what's so interesting about the prayer is he starts praying... And then all of a sudden, he hits a, a point and he reminds him of something. He, boom, he goes off this direction like a rabbit trail. And then after a while, he comes back to the prayer. Starts praying a little more. And oh, he thinks of something else. There. And one theologian said, it's like an ADD prayer. <laughs> Again, well, why is it in the Bible? Could it be? It wasn't a mistake. It's on purpose. It's supposed to teach us that's what you're supposed to pray like. You don't have some form. You don't have some ritual. It's supposed to be constant. It's supposed to be continual. It's supposed to be a conversation with you and the Lord, no matter what you're thinking, where you're at, what you're doing. It's a conversation. And then you even look at Jesus' life when he goes to the wilderness to pray, teaches his disciples to pray. It's a prayer thing all the time. Do you have that? That's what you're supposed to cultivate. That's what you're supposed to develop. I develop it like reading my Bible every morning, every every morning, and having a prayer time with the Lord, just to kind of put the key and get it started. Well, sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. It's but it's a conversation. I'm praying all day, whether I'm in traffic, whether I'm not, whether I'm at home or I'm in the office. It doesn't really matter. I'm constantly shooting. This is what you need to develop: a private prayer life, a private conversation. The scriptures are revealing this over and over again. That's what it's supposed to feel like. That's what it's supposed to look like: a conversation with God. That's how you develop. That's how you change. That's part of God's transformational work in your life. Without it, you won't. 
You're like trying to solve it. You're trying to think it out. Lots of the anxiety and the worries and the sufferings you put your brain and your heart through is because you're not praying. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to manipulate the circumstances. You're trying to understand what someone's thinking. Like, why don't you pray? This is the answer, God. Be anxious for nothing, he says in Philippians. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Say, just use prayer. Quit being so worried. Pray. Okay. That kind of leads me to a, another point. If I want you to pray personally, and we see this demonstrated, but whether it's in the Psalms or in Paul or even in Jesus, I... That's what my wife and I do, and I, I pray every morning like that. We pray every night before we go to sleep. It leads me to the second point. Do you pray with your spouse? I'm shocked how many people I counsel sometimes that come in with marital problems. Well, have you prayed about it? Like with each other. They look at me like a deer in the headlights. Well, uh, no. <sighs> Remember last week? If you were here last week, I preached about marriage. And I said to you, marriage is a very spiritual thing in the Bible. God created Adam and Eve, and then he says this, For this cause, chapter 2, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. Jesus quoted that to a group of Pharisees and said, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. What's he teaching us? God makes marriage work. In our world, one plus one equals what? No, two. Not a hard question. Not a hard question. That was an easy one. One plus one equals two. She needs to go back to school. Okay. But in God's world, this is what she's trying to answer for me, because she's right. I taught that last week. One plus one equals one. Because God's saying that. I can make two like one? Listen to me, please. You can't do that. Quit trying to do that in your marriage. You can't make that person like you. They, they can't be, and that's part of the biggest problem with wives, part of the biggest problem with husbands. We try and make them like us. It never work. Never, never, never. You can't. They're different. They're supposed to be different. But God, what Jesus said, whatever God joins together, well then you should be, how could you possibly be married and not pray together? It's insane. If you can't do it, but he can, why not talk to him? Talk to him together. I guarantee you. And I don't say this because I've had a troubled marriage. I've had a really great marriage. But there's no way I'd be married today if we didn't pray together. I don't know how we would have dealt with stress things, situations, illnesses, kids, all kinds of problems. (laughs) Really? How do you deal with that? And when I have someone in my office and they don't pray together, do you know sometimes that's been the biggest miracle they've had in my, in my office, that we actually pray together? I get them to hold hands and pray a prayer, and then they start weeping and crying, saying, well, I'm so sorry. Well, see, you could have done this without me. Just pray. God does this. So often, I don't know the answer to your situation, but I know who one who does. I know the one who can change it. Prayer really does change your marriage. Try it. Every day, try it. Every night before you go to bed, do you hold their hand and just, let's say a quick prayer. I mean, you're exhausted, you're ready to go to sleep. At least you're started. You've tried. You're going that way. It's huge. 
Absolutely huge. In my personal marriage, I see it in Scripture, and then I realize, oh, marriage is basically spiritual. Yeah, it is basically spiritual. What God has joined together. And God says he can join you and make two of you like one. Yeah, one plus one can be one in God's mind. Only God can do it. Okay, privately, do you pray? Pray with your spouse. And hey, by the way, you're not married? You don't think that applies to you? Oh, when you're dating somebody, do you pray with them? You want to be intimate? Try praying together. That's more intimate than having sex, in my opinion. Pray. It's really soul on soul, heart on heart. Hearing somebody cry out to God together leads me to my third thing I want to talk to you. Third area where I want you to pray with your kids. How significant. I hope your kids grow up and they look back when they face a big trial, a big problem, a marital conflict, a disease with their life, whatever, and they go, you know what mom would do? Mom would pray. You know what dad would do? Dad would pray. You know, my own father was raised in a pagan family, basically. Became a Christian by a guy down the street witnessing to him. Then, when he was a senior in high school, he quit high school, stupid move, to join the Marine Corps and go fight World War II in the Philippines. Got done with the war, came back home, and decided not to go back to school, but to work in a factory the rest of his career. This man, who was not educated, not trained, not raised in a Christian family, prayed with me, prayed with my brother and sister, prayed with us at bedtime, prayed with us at meal, tried to lead us in prayer and devotion sometimes at meal, prayed with us at night, prayed with us all the time. Here's my, like, I'm, trying, I'm telling you that story because you don't need to know anything. Dad didn't know anything. You don't need to be sophisticated in the Bible. Dad wasn't. He just was gutsy enough to say, well, I believe God and we're going to trust God. And, now, and, and here, I'm talking to my brother on the phone this week. We're going, isn't that interesting? You know, we know because of how, you ever heard that, that phrase, more is caught than taught? Dad helped us catch the idea even without teaching us that well, when you hit a big problem, you pray. So now I'm an adult. I hit a big problem. What am I? Well, Dad would pray. Okay, let's pray. You know, like I've been trained in it. Didn't even know I was trained. Are your kids going to be like that? Are they going to be in a place where they get older and, they, and you know they're going to face trials? Who's not? Everybody is. And they're going to go, well, Dad would pray. That's what Mom would do. I hope they see you doing that. I hope you do it with them. Not just pray for them. You're praying with them. <laughs> I was privileged to raise three daughters. Boy, did I pray. And I prayed with them. I even prayed with them. When they're little kids, when they're older, praying with them at meals, praying with them. And I remember, I remember specific times when they're like teenagers and you don't know what to do. And they're distraught. And I remember several, especially a couple of my daughters, sitting on their bed. They're crying. They're mad. They're disappointed. They want to do something. We say they can't or something like that. And I say, let's pray. Dad, you know. Now, all my girls are growing up. They're married. And they have kids of their own. I got nine grandkids. And guess what they do? They teach them to pray. And they pray with them. And now, I even pray with their husbands. Three son-in-laws. I pray with them. Is it sometimes uncomfortable or awkward to pray with kids? Of course. 
Sometimes uncomfortable or awkward to pray with your spouse? Of course. Sometimes you don't feel like you got time to stop and just pray you and the Lord? Of course. That's the devil's trick every time. Your opportunity is right there. The key is right on your keychain to open that door and say, okay, Lord, I've got to talk to you just for a minute. I've got to converse. We've got to have a conversation here. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where we're going. I have to have your understanding. You need to protect me. You need to guide me. On and on and on it goes all day long. And I want to challenge you. Be bold enough to approach God. Take on the call to prayer that's all over the Bible. And this is the confidence we have before him. That if we ask him, he'll tell us, he'll show us, he'll provide for us. Ask him, go to the Lord. Okay. We have prayer in every ministry of our church, as I mentioned earlier, but we also have a prayer ministry in our church. And Mike Cole is going to come out here right now. He's one of the laymen in our church. He's been through a program in our church called the Ministerial Study Program. It's a group of right now probably a half a dozen guys that I work with. And Mike's almost completely graduated. He's in the last course he's taking. You actually sign up for courses. You take them through our headquarters in Colorado, all kinds of tests. So Mike's been through all that. And then Mike now heads up our prayer ministry in our church, which isn't so much about the prayers within the ministries of our church, but but other prayers, special prayer meetings, the prayers down front, other kinds of things. I want to ask you, Mike, tell these guys about prayer in your life and how it became something you wanted to be involved with. Well, um, for the majority of my life, uh, prayer was not a part of it at all. And the reason for that, it was not modeled for me by my parents. Uh, they never prayed, and they never prayed with me, uh, so I didn't have that picture. Um, So it created a scenario that as I grew through life, going through high school and college, uh, was created a difficult time in dealing with the stresses and the dramas and the things that go with it. So with no outlet to know how to deal with that, I pretty much uh, developed anger issues and and dealt with problems as I saw them come in front of me. Um, Then I became a uh, professional musician and I started uh, with the good fortune got with some very successful bands and was able to tour all around and and I can tell you that I was not living a very godly life uh, during that time Um, but uh, you know as I got into my 40s I got out of music and I opened a mortgage company because those two things go together (laughs) (laughs) and I figured So, you know, I figured, let me, let me add a whole new level of stress into my life. So, uh, you know, as that started to progress, um, I got back in touch with a good friend of mine, uh, Paul Balash, who, who I went to high school with, and uh, he introduced me to Christian music, which I did not know existed. And he also uh, kind of recommended FAC uh, because some of his family members went here. He knew I lived in uh, Marlton, and he thought this would be a good uh, fit for me. And as I got here, I realized that I could have a relationship with Christ. And all I had to do was pray. And and it was unbelievable to me because as I started to pray, more and more things started to change in my life. I now had a way to deal with the stresses of life and things started to fade away. And the more I prayed, the more God drew me deeper. I mean, I, I started out, I, I started to uh, get involved in the music ministry here, and then I moved on as Marty um, asked me to join the ministerial study program, and now I'm involved in the prayer ministry. Um, now, religion has been in my life because uh, I am a recovering Catholic, so... 
So, uh, you know, so I, I believed in God, but I just never didn't, I didn't have the relationship. So, um, it's, it's just unbelievable how God can change things. Now, I have three sons, uh, and um, two of them are active duty Marines, and one of them just graduated out of the police academy. So, more stress, but... Um, they're all in dangerous jobs. They are in very dangerous jobs. And, and what happened uh, is that I've, I realized that, you know what, I can't protect these guys anymore. I cannot do anything for them, so I have to now turn them over to God. And I have to pray that he will protect them. And then it dawned on me, I never modeled prayer for them. I never modeled, I, I did the same thing to them that my parents did to me, so it became an emergency that I had to get to them and I needed to talk to them about prayer, and I needed to tell them how important prayer is in your life and what, what it can do for you. And as I got to them and, and I broached that subject, it's like, God, when I turned them over to them, to him, he knew the problem that I created and he fixed it. Because they not only have great prayer lives themselves, but they pray with their kids, and they pray with their family. And it just brought me to tears because I had nothing to do with that. It was all God. So God changed everything in my life. And it's unbelievable because he took me from a guy who had nothing, who had no prayer, to a guy now who is on his way to becoming a pastor, and now I lead people to Christ. It's unbelievable how God can Amen. work. Amen. God bless. Thanks, man. second thing I wanted you to talk about is I want you to talk about this prayer ministry we have and specifically that prayer hallway over there let's put a picture on the screen there it is yeah so uh, in the prayer ministry uh, the great thing about that is that we get to lead people to Christ I mean people come forward with issues and we don't have answers we can't fix anything and we don't want to offer suggestions because but we do know who does have the answers and we're able to lead them to the cross so that's the greatest thing about being in the prayer ministry. So what we've done is we've created a place of prayer over in this hallway here. If you haven't seen it, please go and stop by because it's open to everyone to go out there, sit down, and spend some time with the Lord. We have beautiful chairs. There's a cross there. There's some beautiful paintings that Pastor Dave Krilov uh, did. They're abstract paintings, so underneath is a little uh, explanation of what they represent. And there's also a prayer board out there. So if there's prayers that you would like a very strong response to, uh, you can write them down on the prayer card and you can pin that onto the prayer board. And I will be visiting that regularly. And I guarantee you that we will have a whole team of prayer warriors praying over whatever's going on in your life. So I highly recommend that you visit this space, especially go as a family. Because when you pray as a family, it really does change things. It'll change your life. And it's an amazing example for your children. So please, it's open to everyone. And whenever the church is open, that prayer space is available. In fact, you can go check it out today. Go take a look at it. It's a great place to come before the Lord. Even when there's no one else in church, but this place is open, you can go over there and just have a private prayer time with the Lord. Or like I said, maybe you're facing a crisis in your family right now. Go over to the prayer time. Dads, this is something you can do to really help your family face the, sh the issues that, that they need to face with them and the Lord. And it's teaching, or it's caught than taught, like I said, with your kids, helping them see, well, the answer is in the Lord. Maybe I don't know what to do, but he does, and I've got to turn to him. 
There's all kinds of things we could add into here about how, how to pray. And he oversees a prayer team that prays for people up front. We have special prayer events, big prayer gatherings with other churches, things like that. But I don't want to get into all that. I simply want to pray a prayer with you right now. So we're, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray with you now about all that we've been preaching about. Private prayer. Prayer with your spouse. Prayer with your children. And then the worship team's coming back out, and Pastor Eric's coming out, and he's going to lead you in the Lord's Supper together. A prayer time. But I'd like to pray with you first. So just bow your heads with me. Let's pray, Mike. Lord, Mike and I come before this congregation of people in the name of Jesus. And I pray for everyone here in their private conversation that these words from Scripture, pray without ceasing, pray continually, always pray, pray always, reverberates in their mind and in their heart all the time. They realize, you know, every morning I got to get up and start my prayer with the Lord for the whole day. I got to end every day with a prayer to the Lord and learn how to have this constant and continual conversation with God. That's the only way I'm going to make it. I pray for their spouse and them, or their spouse-to-be, or even their girlfriend or boyfriend. They would say, you know, we need to pray. We need to talk to God together. This is so intimate, Lord, so threatening in many ways. But you've got to get us over this. So I'm praying for our prayer life. You'll help us learn to pray privately and pray with our spouse, and then finally with our own children. To think that someday our kids could look back at us and say, well, I know one thing dad taught me. I know one thing mom taught me. I need to pray. Lord, I pray for the guys here. I pray for the gals here that are parents that feel a little intimidated to suggest prayer at times. And you'll give them the boldness and the courage to do it. Their confidence would be in the Lord. So Lord, with that confidence, we come before you knowing you hear us, knowing that you want us to pray, knowing that our prayer right now is totally within your will. And I even pray for this prayer ministry that it will continue to grow and we can help people establish and grow in their relationship with God, seeing the miracles and changed lives that I know we will see. So we trust you with this now and we dedicate ourselves to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.